Hey there, where have you been? Welcome to the No Jet Stress podcast, the show that helps you maintain optimal health and peak performance as a road warrior, no matter how much you travel. I'm your host, Christopher Babiodi, traveler wellness advocate, nutritional therapist, author, and ex-flight attendant of 20 years at British Airways, one of the UK's largest airlines. In this episode, I will be talking to Scott Gillespie of T. Clara, who is gently but surely nudging the business travel community forward. Scott, it's great to have you on board today. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you. And and I I hope sometimes that I'm more successful than just gently nudging the industry forward. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I'm giving it a shove or two and Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So totally understand that space. Yeah. Would you like to tell our audience a bit about yourself and how you came to be in this situation? I know that you've been a proponent of progressive ideas within the travel industry as such. And I think it's quite an opportune time to have this discussion, particularly regards to traveler wellness, because it's something that you've alluded to and talked about in some of the white papers you've published. And it's timely because we're post-COVID. So whatever, what's the word, efficiencies business travel entities can make to help create this new future of travel that we are entering into or that we're already in will be very useful. Please. Yeah, sure. So my background is really deeply rooted in the management consulting function. I grew up as a management consultant with A.T. Kearney. They basically taught me how to apply kind of hard-nosed procurement tactics against the suppliers. And I became the firm's global expert on sourcing, negotiating against airlines and hotels and travel agencies. Did that for a number of Fortune 500 companies, then spun out, did my own consulting practice around just airline sourcing for a number of years. Sold that, and that gave me the opportunity to take some time off and really kind of think more deeply about why are we traveling for business? And what is the wear and tear on those relatively few travelers that travel a lot, the road warriors. That led me to do some research on this concept of traveler friction, kind of the the calculation or the estimation of the wear and tear on frequent travelers. And that produced some really interesting insights. And I'm sure we'll get into some of those today in our discussion. So I appreciate being here. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, talk and and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where we take this. Excellent. Something off the bat, something I noted there, which I think is really quite relevant to those in the TMC community, because it's not just they are one of the types of vendors that can benefit from this conversation as such. But the the old the age old argument has been when you pitch anything along these lines, the idea of going up against the procurement guys who are about the numbers and so on and so forth is something that really either turns them on or off, but more often than not off against this conversation because it's about pounds and pence. And that's not easy, always easily recognizable in, in people in those positions. Would, would you agree? Yeah, it is it is tough. I mean, there's kind of old school and new school procurement folks out there. And old school is very focused on essentially savings. <laughs> that's that's their, their bread and butter, their meat and potatoes. And that's really what they focus on in terms of trying to achieve through their contracting and sourcing. The new school procurement people, I think, are much more enlightened. And they really take to heart the, the mission of trying to secure the most valuable contracts, the most valuable supply chain for their organizations. And 
they can, I think, be shown that the the frequent travelers, particularly, are part of the supply chain, if you will. I mean, they, organizations depend on road warriors for typically one of two things: either the road warriors deep expertise technical expertise and in, in a matter the subject matter expertise or the relationships that they have or or can constructively build those are generally the two major assets of a of a frequent traveler and that's why companies are willing to pay to keep them on the road and so all you have to do for the procurement people is connect the dots that say hey we're really dependent on these you know this very limited pool of talent here and surely we want to keep them up and running right and, and right facing facing their their other parties across the meeting table in the best possible health and and physical condition all that and i'm sure we're going to get into that but it's yeah but it's 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 conceptually it's easier to talk to a new school procurement person about the value and i think that's really where where we need to dig in to the benefits of travel wellness in this conversation okay and that leads us quite nicely onto the white paper achieving better results for business travelers what what were the headline findings for you in that i mean i've referred to this paper because it talks to the heart of the conversation that we're currently having but i'd love to hear your take and for the benefit of those listening what the headline values takeaways were for that a specific white paper yeah sure so just for credibility context if you will we surveyed over 700 frequent business travelers us based business travelers about a number of issues. The findings that struck me relative to this topic in, in particular, probably the most, the most overall important attribute that these travelers sought in order to make their trips more successful, better sleep. Period. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, you know, it's probably, everyone probably goes, well, yeah, I suppose that's true, but it's got some really interesting implications so we need to we need to you know to dive into that. They also wanted better quality hotels. They wanted direct flights. They don't want to take chances on missing connect. And they want on long haul flights life flat seats, so business class, which ties to getting better sleep. You know, a better quality hotel is typically you know you're gonna again you're likely to sleep better. It, it just adds up to a drive by these travelers to seek better quality sleep, and I think. Put themselves in a, in a healthier position to be able to deal with whatever they're expected to deal with from a perspective of just being less stressed more more prepared for for these you know these ambitious goals that they typically have on their on their trips right and as we know there are so many variables in the life of a business traveler that getting better sleep is sorry not getting enough sleep as required is one of the many stressors they face and therefore that the ability to get better sleep can elevate their ability to perform to achieve that elusive work-life balance and overall performance in whatever area of performance they have whether that's in business leisure whether it's a physical performance i.e sports people who are traveling for business or performance uses or, or whatever it, it might be. I think that's a very good basis to start the conversation. And some one of our offline conversations for our listeners is the fact that we kind of need to define what we mean by traveler wellness. And I, for one, have an understanding from 20 years of being an aviation frequent traveler in my course of working for one of the UK's largest airlines, British Airways. And as such, I have an understanding of what it means to me 
but we are individuals. In the past, I have gone off quite distinctly about business, well, let's call it traveler well-being, not being wellness travel, because the likes of the, I think it's the Global Wellness Institute, focus on wellness travel, which is the idea of taking off from A to go to B to receive some kind of treatment or relaxation Mm. or something of that nature that's touchy-feely, which is good in and of itself. But that's not what we're talking about here, because at the end of the day, you have to get on a plane and get back. And that journey could be stressful and more often than not, I guess, tends to be in this day and age. So for me, when I talk about traveler well-being, I'm talking about the physiological, physical, mental emotional, as well as the social aspects of health that relates to that traveler getting, getting, being well uh, along the, along the route. Because at the end of the day, as you've put, and other people I've spoken to put, it's about an individual performing in a context. But at the end of the day, the ability to perform is that person's measure of health to a certain extent as well. What would you add to that? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting construct, and and I think it's important for the listeners to really appreciate that traveler wellness is different from traveler well-being. I, in our last exchange, I think uh, you sent me some papers. Maybe it was your description of traveler well-being that got me to yeah. think much more constructively around the idea that these road. Sorry, and this may be more and maybe only appropriate to the road warriors, the really bus- the frequent travelers. I appreciate that a number of your listeners may be recognizing that they or, or some of their stakeholders may travel infrequently and still need the concept of traveler well-being. But my mind is generally wrapped around the road warriors. So that's my, my, my lens. Understood. For those road warriors, what I took from our last conversation that really got me thinking harder about this is the idea of a lifestyle, recognizing frequent travel as a lifestyle and taking that concept to the HR folks and just trying to get them to appreciate that we've got this very small but very valuable subpopulation in, in our in our company's workforce that has remarkably unique requirements. And therefore, you know, if you if you look at it the right way, you can imagine that there need to be any number of kind of HR guided resources and planning and support in order to recognize that these people really do have a distinct lifestyle. And it has all these implications for pre-trip well-being, on-trip well-being, and post-trip well-being. And you got me to think even further, Chris, about this when you when you brought in the kind of the metaphor of the athlete, the professional athlete, and thinking about the training that they, you know, that they undertake. And the conditioning and the, you know, the, the in-game competition, of course, the, the performance, if you will. But then there's the, the post-game, the post-competition recovery period that's, you know, very important to these out. So just you got me thinking about this in a, in a, in a broader and more constructive, more specific way. So I'm, I'm keen to, to, to continue our discussion along these lines. Great. I think we're definitely going to get into that detail. Lifestyle, I think, is appropriate. And I think while you use the term HR, I think one of the questions you posed to me was how do we, and I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see me right now, how do we sell it to HR as such? And with that in mind, 
I think parts because my, my my challenge with corporate wellness programs that sit within HR functions has been that HR caters not just to that small subsection of frequent travelers, but also to the broader health of everyone in the company. And my call is that we need to, one, have programs, as you said, that are specific catered to this subsection that's one thing and two because I think their remit is so broad I think further on in some of our, our discussions we can actually get to a point where we might see the need to actually divorce that function from HR by creating what I like to term as traveler wellness ambassadors maybe ambassadors is not necessarily the right terminology but I first came across this by seeing a paper by a gentleman by the name of Joss Glynn, who worked at Google and at some point was in charge of their traveler wellness program. And he basically, I think the paper is, what was it? The future, the future of employee traveler well-being, I think. So he broadened it out to this idea that we need specialists in regards to different types of health challenges that employees may have. And he's talking about employees because obviously Google has all kinds of people in their fold that they're catering to. But when we take that bare bones framework and we put it in the context of our conversation here, it's like, yeah, I would see the need to, depending on the size of the, the organization of the corporation, looking at having a specific function that sits and maybe reports to HR that can specialize in this for the benefit of the organization, of course, the traveler, and, and whatever they're sending their people on the road to do. Hmm. That strikes me as like theoretically good. I, I think a lot of companies, maybe not, a lot of smaller companies would probably struggle with committing that kind of overhead. Right. So what we might think about instead for the, the less than Google size companies would be to get first, let's just identify who the road warriors are in a company. Cool. All right. So, and that should be relatively easy for, you know, a TMC should be able to help a company do that a travel management company. For those of you that don't recognize that acronym, get your travel management company to identify the employees that have taken, you know, figure out your own criteria, but basically in our survey, we use the threshold of at least at least 10 business trips a year, I think, was the minimum threshold for a road warrior. But whatever you like, find your population of road warriors. And once you do that, then you could probably get HR to very easily compare some metrics that they probably already have on the entire workforce population to the you know the this subset of of road warriors so things like an engagement score all right that would that's most companies many companies do that so it'd be easy to compare what's the engagement of a road warriors versus you know the rest of the population and then within the road warrior population the individual engagement score could be a flag that there may be a wellness problem lurking anxiety and depression scores there's some you know i think there's a four question test for that it's very easy to administer and very standardized results, easy to compare. That too could be a flag. And the one that I counsel a lot of companies to adopt is the idea of measuring your road warrior attrition rate. 
All right. And whatever it is, just ask senior management if they're happy with that attrition rate. <laughs> yeah. And if they're not happy with the attrition rate, then, you know, you now have kind of a cause of, you know, a, a mission to improve it. And that opens the door to a lot of what you've been talking about, Chris, in terms of how to improve traveler well-being. Right. So is there anything you want to add in terms of defining what a traveler, <clears throat> what traveler wellness is that I haven't quite covered in those four broad areas of physiology, emotional, mental and social health is concerned for yourself or anything you want to add to that at all? Yeah, I might just I might add desire to continue traveling at the pace that they have been kind of a maybe there's a better way to say it, but you get the idea that just this this willingness to continue might be a really telling question to ask these folks on a regular basis. (laughs) Which is obviously based on priorities, lifestyle, you know, how comfortable they are doing it, the inconveniences and so on and all that lovely stuff. Okay, cool. In that case, then, if we take a quick look at some of the other interesting information that's out there in terms of what road warriors frequent business travelers are saying one of the one of the pieces of information that we've taken a look at individually is the bcd survey that was taken earlier in the year it's not a massive sample size from what i recall but i think it's invaluable because it points out some very specific things that road warriors are saying that they would like to see put in place. Do you do you want to take the lead on that and 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 see and tell me what you think about that? I thought this BCD survey was really interesting in terms of what they looked at. So, yeah, just you know, couple of couple of findings as I'm looking at this that strike me as really interesting for the audience. Boy, a, a big share. So. Yeah, 85% say that physical well-being support is important. Somewhat less, slightly less share are satisfied with with whatever support they're getting. And frankly, I'm surprised it's even that high. It's like, you know, 75% say they're satisfied with physical well-being support. I don't think many companies, frankly, are committing these types of resources to their frequent travelers. So that that's probably an opportunity for discussion. Mental well-being support, it's important. To about the same share, you know, seventy-four percent, something like that, eighty-four percent. But a lot of these companies are not really doing a great job of providing well-being support for their business travelers. So, which you know, again, I would say, comes down to or comes back round to the idea that they're not recognizing business travelers as a separate constituency amongst the the corporate wellness offering that they have, and therefore don't see that maybe the once in a while or you know initial travel or you know initial well-being program tools that they give them they pretty much fade into obscurity once the job that they're really there to you know the, the kpis or the metrics that they're being judged on come to the fore because at the end of the day it's about winning the business or you know getting on the road and and, and doing whatever it is they're supposed to do as such yeah, there's there is a great opportunity for companies to focus more on this very special population and provide them with you know much greater support as as this lifestyle kind of requires. So I, I don't doubt that at all. One of the couple of things that catch my eye here in the BCD report in terms of well-being support for business travelers, what they're asking for. Uh, number one, they want recommendations of restaurants with healthy menus. And that was the, you know, the, the top most requested um, feature. 
Second was nutrition, sleep, and recovery advice. And third was gym membership when traveling. Those three dominated the uh, the list of, you know, 10, 10 or so elements of well-being support. So that that should tell us something about where the, you know, the traveler's mind is at, you know, more nutritious, better, healthier eating, if you will, better sleep and recovery, and then, you know, some exercise component. I mean, those, you know, how does that strike you in terms of being fairly comprehensive? Is that, are we leaving something out if we focus on those three dimensions? What's missing there, Chris, from from your Uh, sense? Join us in the next two episodes to find out the best proxy for traveler wellness health, why Scott thinks human resources might be best placed to help bring a traveler wellness program to life, and find out what you might be leaving on the table if you fail to take advantage of travel wellness for your organization. Until then, farewell.